Hi everyone, welcome back to Talks in Class. Another week, another episode. <laughs> I am Jenna, your host on this journey. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast and joining me for hopefully another fun conversation. I hope everybody's had a great week. It's been kind of business as usual around here, nothing too new or exciting happening. I've been watching a lot of random stuff on TV, which I feel like my intros are basically just like a recap of what I've been watching each week before I start the podcast. It's like, let's talk about TV, but I don't know. I guess this is all I have. All I really have in terms of connection to current pop culture <laughs> is what I'm watching on TV. And sometimes that's not even current. A lot of it's like old stuff, but I have to talk about this. You guys, have you seen this Love Has One documentary on HBO Max or Max or whatever it's called now? I saw somebody post about it on TikTok and she said that it was the craziest thing she had seen in a really long time. So you know, hearing that, I bolted. I ran to go watch this. And I love a docu-series. I love any sort of like documentary. I'm not super into true crime, actually. I like it, but I'm not like really into it the way that I feel like that's become a stereotype now especially of like millennial women is that we're all obsessed with true crime and I don't know I'm, it it's fine but I just I like a docuseries in general and what I really love to be honest is some good cult content <laughs> and this documentary delivered on that I like anything that has to do with sort of just like questionable claims you know what I mean guru stuff or sort of fringe wellness stuff. I love all of that. And part of it is probably because I used to work in fitness and I have always just kind of been in the wellness world in some way. But it, back in, I don't know, 2016, 2017, I was totally on that like Instagram wellness train. You know what I mean? Following all of the wellness influencer, blogger girls who were talking about all sorts of just like looking back kind of crazy things. And I don't know, there's plenty of stuff that I think is perfectly legitimate and helpful that can also be lumped in with wellness, but that's a whole different conversation. This documentary, it, it was on another level, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's called Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God. It's on <laughs> Max, and it's about a cult, obviously, who that was led by this woman who thought she was God, and it's wild. Their beliefs were just the craziest part. I can't even explain it. She believed that Robin Williams was one of her, I think she called them galactic advisors. And he was giving her advice from, I'm not really sure, heaven or, or like space or another dimension. They talk about 5D a lot, this idea of the fifth dimension, which is a big thing in like that kind of wellness world. And I mean, literally, I have consumed so much of this wellness, new agey content in my life, and I still can't even explain it. But it was fascinating. I binged all three episodes in one night, really enjoyed it. If you were into that kind of stuff, I would recommend it. It was, it was quite interesting to watch. And then speaking of stuff I've been watching, I don't know how I get down these rabbit holes, but I watched a few episodes of The Secret World of Alex Mack the other night from 90s Nickelodeon. And I mean, just the, me like the memories, it was crazy. I loved that show so much, but I feel like it's not really talked about a lot. I had kind of forgotten a lot of details about it, but it all came flooding back to me. I wanted powers 
like Alex Mack so badly when I was young because I wanted to be able to move things with my mind, not for any actual cool reason, but because I wanted to be able to clean my room without getting up off of my bed or my inflatable chair or wherever I was sitting. That's why I wanted superpowers when I was <laughs> eight years old. And everything about it just feels like prime 90s Nickelodeon vibes. I really, really, really liked watching it. And that's a great little teaser for today's episode, actually. But first, as always, I will start with my what good happened for the week. And this week, my what good happened is actually, <laughs> is actually that we got a new bed. And this is just prime mid-30s excitement. Now, like, this is what I get excited about. In my 30s, when I was in my 20s, I would have been like, I'll sleep on a futon. That's fine. Or like the floor. Those days are behind me. And now I get excited about things like nice, good quality furniture. And I don't know, like fancy towels. But we got a new bed. It has the adjustable base. So you can like elevate your head or your feet and has all these different settings. And we also got a new mattress, which is key because our old one was not great. And I'm not a great sleeper. So this is amazing. It has like this cooling thing where it keeps you helps keep you cool and support specifically for your shoulders and your hips and all this stuff and you know this is like my gateway to buying and excitedly talking about orthopedic shoes isn't it I sound like my dad right now <laughs> but honestly knock on wood I have been sleeping super well since we got this new bed so you know I'll take it that's obviously the point so for this week's episode, I'm actually doing an episode that I've been meaning to talk about for a really long time. It's kind of a deep dive into one specific television show from my childhood, and I don't do these super often. I did do an episode completely on Laguna Beach and one on the hills, so it kind of reserved this for shows that really made an impact on me. And this is one probably for a lot of people won't seem like it would have been one of those shows, but for me... This was monumental to my childhood, and that is Nickelodeon's Are You Afraid of the Dark? When I was a kid in the 90s, very few things excited me quite like SNCC. <laughs> if you're not a 90s kid, or you didn't have cable growing up, or just somehow you weren't a Nickelodeon kid growing up in the 90s, SNCC stood for Saturday Night on Nick, on Nickelodeon. It was... Nickelodeon's Saturday night lineup of all the best shows. It was kind of like Nickelodeon's version of TGIF, which we all watched on Friday nights. And when I tell you guys, my little child life absolutely revolved around SNCC. It's honestly kind of sad. Like, I guess I just had nothing else to do, which I mean, no, of course it. I was like eight years old. Of course I didn't. I've mentioned this before, but I feel like it's important to reiterate because of this episode's subject, I was a total Nickelodeon kid growing up. Nickelodeon was probably like 90% of what I watched on TV, and because it was the 90s, I watched a lot of TV. <laughs> on weeknights, it was Rugrats, and then Doug, and then maybe Clarissa was on weeknights for a while. On weekend afternoons, I remember it was Salute Your Shorts, Hey Dude, and then it would be all of those game shows that I really wasn't that interested in, but I did watch anyway because they were on things like What Would You Do or Wild and Crazy Kids and like Guts. But Saturday night was the big event, the big orange couch. And SNCC, like I said, it always had the best shows. This was like their top programming lineup. Whatever 
you know, the, the most popular shows or however they deemed the best shows on Nickelodeon at that time, those would be the shows that were on SNCC. So just to give you an idea of like how epic this programming was, I Googled and I found a few different SNCC lineups from the 90s, just so you can understand like how elite the programming was, okay? In 1993, the SNCC lineup was Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse, oh my god. Do you guys remember Roundhouse? It was kind of a musical sketch comedy, like variety show almost. It was very bizarre. If you do remember it, you're one of few. I feel like it was a fever dream, but if you don't, Google it and it might bring back some memories. It was really weird. So Clarissa, Roundhouse, Ren and Stimpy was on SNCC, and then Are You Afraid of the Dark? In 1994, we had Clarissa, then Pete and Pete, another very, very bizarre Nickelodeon show from the 90s, Ren and Stimpy, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then it also says Roundhouse was also part of the lineup, which would make it five shows. I don't really know if that's right. I never remember more than four shows, but maybe. In 96, the lineup was The Secret World of Alex Mack, which I was absolutely just obsessed with when that show came out. All that, which, I mean, this is like the golden age of millennial Nickelodeon, in my opinion. Ren and Stimpy, which was replaced later that year by Space Cases. Do you guys remember Space Cases? Because that was somewhere deep in my memory. And like, I can still picture the intro to that show. What a weird, weird show. And then Are You Afraid of the Dark? Then by 1997, we had Keenan and Kel, all that, The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo, another one that was like deep, deep in my memory bank, and then Kablam. So this era was probably the last time I really watched SNCC, like around 1997. Definitely the Keenan and Kel era was sort of like my last hurrah with Nickelodeon. In 1997, I would have been 10 years old. So I think, you know, I was starting to age out of Nickelodeon, but also I remember we got the Disney Channel around this time. So that was kind of a pivotal moment for me because I had other things to watch besides just Nickelodeon. And I also started watching a lot of MTV around that time because at 10 years old, I was starting to get really into celebrities, but there was also a lot of pop stars kind of coming up at that time, like the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys. So I was watching MTV for that kind of stuff. But during those mid 90s years, Nickelodeon and really SNCC ruled my little world. And don't get me wrong, I loved so many of those shows. Like I loved Clarissa, I loved Alex Mack, I really loved all that. I think I should do a whole episode on all that at some point because I really do feel like it was kind of groundbreaking in a lot of ways, like especially watching it back now. I've, I've watched a lot of these old shows as an adult and all that, like it was an all kids, truly it was a, a kids sketch comedy show. It was like SNL for kids by kids. And, you know, it's clearly aimed at kids, like some of the humor I don't necessarily find funny now as an adult. But as a kid, I legitimately remember thinking that it was absolutely hilarious. And obviously the cast was just, I mean, phenomenal. Like so many of them went on to have massive careers, which is just really a testament to the kind of talent they had on that show. But anyway, the point is, SNCC had a lot of amazing programming over the years. But for me, there was one show that ruled them all. And that was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Now, I, I do not fancy myself an expert on many things, very few things. 
But when I tell you guys, I have an expert level knowledge of Are You Afraid of the Dark, even now, like almost 30 years later, it's insane. If you are somehow unfamiliar with Are You Afraid of the Dark, it was a kid's horror show <laughs> from the 90s. And the premise of the show was that a group of kids who called themselves the Midnight Society would meet in the woods around a campfire to tell scary stories. So the episode would open with the meeting of the kids and the bulk of the episode would be the actual story. Like the telling of the story would be the actual episode. Each story had a name which would be introduced by the storyteller at the beginning when they would throw a handful of what they called midnight dust into the fire, which was actually just like non-dairy coffee creamer, like the powder stuff. And then they would announce the name of their story by saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story Midnight Dust Would Fly. And then the title of the story would be something like The Tale of the Laughing in the Dark, or The Tale of Cutter's Treasure, or The Tale of the Prom Queen. And I have such vivid memories of so many of these episodes, but especially the really early seasons, because that's when I was watching so faithfully Nickelodeon and not just watching these shows once a week on SNCC, you guys, I would tape it almost every week. I started taping it because every other weekend I would go to my dad's and he didn't have cable, so I couldn't watch SNCC. So I faithfully taught my boomer mother how to go downstairs to the TV room and put the blank VHS tape in the VCR and then press play and record at the same time so that she could tape SNCC for me every Saturday while I was gone. But then I realized I would watch it back over and over throughout the week, so I started taping a lot of them. I even bought a SNCC VHS tape, like, from a store. And if you're a 90s kid, this is such a core memory. If you ever owned a Nickelodeon VHS tape, they were bright, like, neon orange, all of the tapes. My Harriet the Spy VHS tape, my Good Burger VHS tape, they're all that bright orange, like, the actual tape is, the plastic is orange. And the SNCC tape was bright orange, too. I still have it, actually. And I have those episodes that are on that tape absolutely memorized, like word for word, because I watched them so many times over the years. The Are You Afraid of the Dark episode on that tape is The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, which honestly, absolutely terrifying, like legitimately scary. I don't know how I watched that at, I don't know, seven, eight years old and didn't have just crazy nightmares. I mean... The production quality of the show is not great in general. It's not just 90s, but like cheap 90s. <laughs> and I actually think that in terms of quality, this episode, The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, is one of the better ones. But even with that like cheap production quality, it is really creepy. So The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, if you don't remember, is the one where the girl gets trapped in the bedroom at the haunted house next door, and there's a little ghost girl. It's always like a child ghost. There's a little ghost girl trapped in the mirror, and she writes, help me, all over the walls, but it's backwards because she's in the mirror. And then at the end, she climbs, the ghost girl climbs out of the mirror, and she's all pale and ghost looking with like this stringy hair and bangs, and she's like, it's freaking terrifying. I'm not entirely sure what exactly the appeal was of Are You Afraid of the Dark for me. I wasn't necessarily into horror. And a lot of the shows that I remember being really obsessed with as a kid, it was because of some sort of relatability or like aspirational quality of somebody in the show. Like Clarissa explains it all. I was obsessed with that because I wanted her bedroom. I wanted her clothes. Same with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. 
Alex Mack, obviously I wanted her powers because who wouldn't want to be able to, sh to turn into a puddle of goo and, you know, wander around. But with Are You Afraid of the Dark, it didn't really have that aspect, but I think it was just so imaginative. It was very creative. Every episode was different. And some episodes would have like a certain character that I liked or identified with or an aesthetic quality that I liked. I remember one of my favorites was The Tale of Locker 22, and it partially took place in the 60s. And as a kid who was very committed to the 90s, 60s revival, I liked that episode because of the aesthetic quality of the parts that took place in the 60s. But even the ones that didn't have any of that, they still sucked me in. And you know, as I mentioned, watching it back now in 2023, the production quality is not great. <laughs> They're on Paramount Plus, by the way. I do highly recommend a rewatch if you were a fan in the 90s. They're fun. But it was the 90s and there's just a certain effort that can be seen in the effects. This was before everything was CGI. So they use costumes and they use masks and they use fake green slime and a lot of fog machines and there's a lot of really obvious kind of animatronics and things like that and there's something really charming about that. But also, you guys, like, yes, it's cheaply made and it's really cheesy, but some of the episodes are legit creepy. Even now, some of the stories too are kind of dark. I'm like, this was for children. I truly can't imagine a seven-year-old watching this show now and not being freaked out by it. Maybe I was freaked out by it, but we were just more accepting of scaring children as a goal in the 90s. But the other thing about it too is that because every episode was a different story, they covered everything. Ghosts, clowns, supernatural stuff, you know, curses, witches, sci-fi stuff like aliens, other dimensions, people getting trapped in dollhouses or video games, monsters, vampires, leprechauns. I mean, they covered it all. Whatever you were afraid of, there was an episode that would cover that. So naturally, for each person, there were certain episodes that were creepier than others. And I can't imagine that I wasn't freaked out by this stuff. The show actually premiered in 1992, so I would have been five. <laughs> I obviously don't think I was watching it then, but I was probably watching it when I was around seven. That would have been 1994. And it's very, very early 90s. It looks very 90s in every way, especially those early seasons are very early 90s. And it's a Canadian show, which I didn't realize as a kid, obviously, but watching it back, like there are French signs in the mall or like on the streets. And it, it just, it always seems to be cold or snowing, uh, which, you know, I guess to me as a kid growing up in Wisconsin, it is also cold and snowing a lot of the time. And also my mom says sorry, like a Canadian. So this all just felt very comfortable and at home for me. And speaking of it being Canadian, so many famous faces showed up on this show throughout the years, but especially Canadian actors, obviously. Famously, Ryan Gosling is in an episode, The Tale of Station 109.1. Gilbert Godfrey is also in that episode, by the way, if you uh, revisit that one. Nev Campbell, another super famous face that was on Are You Afraid of the Dark? She is in The Tale of the Dangerous Soup. Emily Hampshire, this is a good one. She plays Stevie on Schitt's Creek. She is in, I think it's The Tale of Cutter's Treasure. 
I was watching this recently actually with my husband and I was like, oh my God, that's Stevie from Schitt's Creek. Like I recognized her as a child actor. Mia Kirshner, who I know from not another teen movie, but my husband would say from The Crow City of Angels. She is in The Tale of the Hungry Hounds and her voice is so distinct. I saw her in some interview for like a special features for a movie that my husband was watching and I wasn't really paying attention, but I heard her voice and I instantly thought, that's the girl from The Tale of the Hungry Hounds. <laughs> like I said, you guys, expert level knowledge of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And then there were some Midnight Society members who also went on to have notable careers. Rachel Blanchard, who played Cher, actually, in the short-lived, I think, Clueless TV show that was on TGIF and I loved. Joanna Garcia, who she's been in a lot of stuff, but I always think of her as Cheyenne on Reba, <laughs> Reba McIntyre's sitcom. And apparently the man who played Gary in the Midnight Society, who is like kind of the main character of the Midnight Society, his name is Ross Hull, and he went on to be a well-known Canadian meteorologist, apparently. But my favorite, Daniel DeSanto, who played Tucker in the Midnight Society, famously, or maybe not so famously, went on to play Jason in Mean Girls. As in, is your muffin buttered? <laughs> And you can go shave your back now. Bye, Jason. And really the list of famous faces on Are You Afraid of the Dark seems endless. Like there were so many people on there. Melissa Joan Hart starred in The Tale of the Frozen Ghost, which is one of the scariest episodes ever. That little ghost boy just saying, I'm cold over and over. It was a truly haunting episode. Tia and Tamara Mowry from Sister Sister, obviously, were in The Tale of the Chameleons, also terrifying and weird. Bite you once, bite you twice, a little water, pay the price. <laughs> Do you guys see what I mean? Like why, why are these types of things occupying space in my brain over important things that I forget instantly? And there are so many others too, and probably a bunch that I don't even remember or don't know about from the later season since I don't know those as well. But the other thing that I did really love about Are You Afraid of the Dark were the recurring characters within the stories. There were characters that would pop up across multiple stories. And it was fun because each Midnight Society member kind of had their own style of stories or kind of themes that they would use in their stories. So Kristen, Rachel Blanchard tended to tell, I don't know, like girly stories, like a lot of ghost stories, but a lot of kind of fairy tale type stories. And a lot of her stories were some of my favorites. She had the Tale of the Hungry Hounds, Tale of the Prom Queen, which is a great one, the Tale of Locker 22. These were all ghost stories. She also told the Tale of the Final Wish, which is really creepy and I feel like it gets really overlooked. It's about a girl who gets trapped in a dream that's full of terrifying kind of like gruesome fairy tale characters that are basically trying to kill her. Like the witch from Hansel and Gretel. It's like trying to put her in an oven. It's super creepy. Or Kiki's stories, which I also loved. They were about like haunted things or like curses or like old things coming back to haunt you. History repeating itself kind of themes in her stories. She had the tale of the Quicksilver, which is such a good one. Uh, the tale of the captured souls, the tale of the vacant lot. Oh my God, that one haunts my dreams. It's about the woman who offers you things that you want in exchange for essentially like your life. I don't know. It's really, it's really dark. 
But some members of the Midnight Society, in addition to having kind of their themes and their styles of stories, had these characters that would come up in multiple stories. Most notably, there was Dr. Vink with the va, 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 who was in Frank's stories. And then Sardo, no mister, accent on the dough, who was in Gary's stories. And Dr. Vink was my favorite. He was terrifying. Just the look of him was terrifying. I'm not even really sure what he was supposed to be. Just like a crazy man, I guess. Maybe like a scientist or like some sort of evil warlock or like sorcerer. I'm not really sure because he was kind of different in each episode. But he is typically evil and he's usually in the episodes that he's in responsible for introducing the kid or the main characters of the episode to whatever the bad thing is for that episode. So in the Tale of the Midnight Madness, he's the one who brings the movie, the evil vampire movie, to the theater. In the Tale of the Dangerous Soup with Nev Campbell, he is the chef that makes the dangerous soup. So he takes a lot of forms. But unlike Dr. Vink, Sardo, who is a magician and magic shop owner, in several episodes, he's in a lot of episodes, he's not really evil. He's just kind of clueless like he doesn't understand and usually his purpose in stories is that he will sell the kid something from his magic shop that turns out to actually be magical and typically you know problematic or evil in some way and these recurring characters were really fun because other than the midnight society members themselves that kind of bookended the story these characters that would pop up every now and then they weren't super frequent but they were the only thing that we had in terms of familiar faces and characters within the actual stories. There was even one epic crossover story, a two-parter, The Tale of Cutter's Treasure, part one and two, I think it was just called, which was told by both Gary and Frank about pirate ghosts, ancient pirate ghosts, something like that. And that story featured both Sardo and Dr. Bank. Very epic, very big deal. Also, I'm pretty sure the episode that the woman who plays Stevie Bud from Schitt's Creek was in. Not one of my favorites. I must say I wasn't really into pirates, but it was epic nonetheless. And I remember it being a big deal because it was a two-part episode. But speaking of my favorites, and I have many, I'm going to wrap this up by sharing my top 10 favorite episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because I could not narrow it down to five. Also, this is in no particular order because that would be just too difficult. Number 10, The Tale of Locker 22, which I previously mentioned briefly. This episode is about a new girl at a school, and she's assigned this locker that's kind of far away from everybody else's locker for some reason, and it has a faint outline of a flower sticker that looks like the 60s on it. And she finds a string of beads, like hippie beads in it, and when she puts them on, she time travels back to the 60s and eventually finds out in the past that the girl who had her locker back then, named Candy, I'm pretty sure, uh, actually died in a fire in the chemistry lab and she has to save her and that's kind of the resolution of the episode. It's a pretty basic story, honestly, it's like not that exciting, but the 60s vibes were very good and I loved it for that. Also, the actress who played Candy, the girl who died in the 60s, is Jennifer Irwin, who's been in a ton of stuff, uh, including Schitt's Creek. She was Moira's sister in Schitt's Creek. Number nine, The Tale of the Lonely Ghost. Also mentioned this one already, but this was the one about the ghost girl in the mirror who writes, help me backwards all over the walls. And you guys, I am not kidding. I can still see that little pale ghost girl's face. 
holding out the locket to Amanda in that room as she like crawls out of the mirror. Also the ending to this one was pretty good. Some of them had pretty boring anticlimactic endings but this one had a good twist ending where you actually find out that the mean girl's nanny is actually the mother of the ghost girl in the mirror and they reunite at the end. Number eight, The Tale of the 13th Floor. You guys, this one is so wild. And one of the weirdest ones I remember, and it was really creepy just for that fact, it's about these two kids who use the 13th floor of their apartment building as like a playground, basically, until one day a weird toy factory moves in and invites them to come upstairs to test out various toys which naturally sounds suspicious and it is because it turns out the toy company is actually uh some sort of futuristic alien slash robot race that has come to kidnap the children another fun twist ending in this one we actually find out at the end that the sister was adopted and is an alien and it's so unsettling at the very end of the episode it shows the girl who's supposed to be one of the main characters of the episode as an alien and she has no face. She's just kind of like a gray blob of a head. And we end up finding out that the aliens on the 13th floor were actually there to rescue her and take her back to her home planet. So I guess they weren't evil after all. Number seven, The Tale of the Hungry Hounds, starring Mia Kirshner and also some amazing 90s fashion that I still think about, including her city cousin's sunglasses in the scene where they walk around a field for some reason. So basically in this episode, Mia's character, Pam, and her cousin from the city go rummaging around in the attic and they find stuff from their dead aunt, Dora, who used to ride horses. And Pam puts Dora's jacket on and instantly becomes possessed by the ghost of Dora. And they venture out and have to feed the hounds. That's their mission is to feed the hounds and they encounter ghosts and it's creepy and they are almost eaten by dogs and the vibes are just right. Honestly, the story is a little lacking, I have to admit, but 10 out of 10 for atmosphere and also 10 out of 10 for the giant staircase that just magically appears out of the attic, which for some reason I will always remember. Number six is The Tale of Watcher's Woods. This one takes place at summer camp and it is a go-getter, kind of annoying, like goody two-shoes girl who has to go out into the woods with the whiny, very annoying, mean girl and they get lost. And in their adventure, getting lost in the woods, they encounter the ghosts of three campers who went missing decades ago in what is called Watcher's Woods, which apparently is just a stretch of woods that is inconveniently located very close to a summer camp for children that is cursed by the Watcher, which is like a demon or something. And the girls have to team up and go back to camp to get the three ghost girls whistles and bring them back to them so that they can blow them at the same time, which somehow frees them from the Watcher's spell and everything is right once again. I don't know you guys, I loved this one as a kid, not really sure how well that storyline holds up now, but it was a really good one. <laughs> Number five is The Tale of the Dollmaker. 
If you watched Are You Afraid of the Dark as a kid, I really don't think I need to explain why this episode was so scary. I feel like this is one that stands out in everyone's minds. It is about a girl, a little girl who gets trapped inside a dollhouse and is turned into a porcelain doll. That's it, basically. It, but it's terrifying. She has a little porcelain face with little rosy cheeks and these scary eyebrows and she starts to fall apart. And obviously she's rescued at the end, but the image of that little girl as a doll is literally forever burnt into my brain. Dolls are creepy in general, let alone when they're alive. Number four, The Tale of the Mystical Mirror, which also happens to star the same actress who played Amanda from The Tale of the Lonely Ghost, except The Tale of the Mystical Mirror is in season five, so it's later. And she looks much better and she has like 1995 cool girl clothes <laughs> in this episode. I remember loving this episode purely for the aesthetics. Like I said, it is very 1995, but the story is actually pretty dark <laughs> now that I revisit it. It is about a woman who owns a makeup store, like a beauty store, and she uses a magic mirror to hypnotize her young employees, young beautiful girls, so she can sacrifice them to steal their youth and their beauty so she can live forever. Like, imagine making a kid's show about literally sacrificing, like as in killing children now, and putting that on TV. <laughs> Number three, another notoriously scary Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that I think lives in people's minds, The Tale of the Dead Man's Float. This might actually be the most memorable episode ever, I think. This is the one with the giant red monster that lives in the pool that looks like Vecna from Stranger Things. It is legit actually so scary. I actually haven't rewatched this episode in a really long time, but I have Googled this creature several times. Google blurs the images out of this creature. That's how like legit it is. It's terrifying. From what I remember, the gist of this episode is that these kids find an abandoned pool in their school that is no longer being used and nobody knew it was there and somehow convinced the school to reopen it and everything's great for a while and one of the kids is afraid of water but he's warming up to it and oops, big mistake kids because there is a terrifying gross monster that lives in that pool that is trying to kill people. Number two is The Tale of the Midnight Madness, a Dr. Vink appearance episode. Uh, this one is about a failing movie theater, a small movie theater that doesn't have any business until Dr. Vink with the va 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 shows up and tells them that this old silent black and white movie that he made will save their theater. So obviously they start showing the movie and it draws huge crowds and it is saving the theater and everything's great until literal Nosferatu climbs out of the movie screen to, I guess, suck everybody's blood in the crowd. This episode has one of those great moments that will forever be burned into my brain. The image of the vampire's claw just slowly slicing down the black and white screen. It's so creepy and so good. But like, what was that doing in a kid's show? Nightmares. And number one is The Tale of the Dream Girl. This is definitely one of the best, if not the best, ghost story that I remember from Are You Afraid of the Dark. This episode is about a boy who starts seeing the ghost of a beautiful girl, his dream girl, one might say. And upon trying to figure out what happened to her back in the 60s, we assume, he finds out that he is actually 
her boyfriend and he died with her. I think they got hit by a train and he's been a ghost all along. I mean, chills. So clearly you guys can see what an impact this show had on me and I have been rewatching it a little bit on Paramount Plus and I'm amazed at how vivid some of these memories are but also by how creepy but also just fun some of these episodes really still are and how some of the episodes that I remember being really scary are not very good now <laughs> but some of them do hold up. So I would definitely suggest a rewatch and if you don't have Paramount Plus I think a lot of at least clips from these episodes can be found on YouTube so you can at least get a little taste. As always, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. It means so much to me that you choose to tune in and share these fun conversations with me. If you did enjoy this episode, it always helps if you share the podcast with a friend, if you share an individual episode with somebody who you think might particularly enjoy that conversation. And of course, when you rate and review and subscribe, I will be back next week. So I will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.